the idea of thinking about infinity for me it almost makes my brain hurt because i can't mm-hmm. i can't grasp it it's like what do you mean it goes on for On the Prowl, indeed. Welcome to Podcats. This is Cats, John Katzlamitis of the Las Vegas Review Journal. My column is called Cats, fittingly enough. Find it on page 3A every day and online all the time. Our guest this week is the amazing Chris Wink. The inventive artist helped establish the Blue Man Group, which has been headlining in Las Vegas since 2000. He split with the Blue Men in 2017 to take a creative position at Area 15. He has also developed Wink World Portals to the Infinite. The 15,000 square foot multi-sensory art experience is a celebration of Wink's neon dreams and it is open now. Good to see you again, sir. Always a pleasure to be in your company. Always a pleasure. Yeah. My brother. We go back a a long way. (laughs) A long, all the way Let's not tell him how long. It'll make us both look really old. Okay, it was 2000. Okay, you did it. <laughs> at the Luxor, I remember it well. It was when the Blue Man Group opened yeah. at Luxor, and you and, you and Phil and Matt yeah. came out to, to uh, introduce us to the Blue Man Group. Yeah. Uh, what, what are your memories? Or do you have any memories of that, that moment in it time? It was so interesting, because Vegas was so different back then, and we really mm-hmm. had no idea uh, if this would work here. In fact, everyone was scratching their heads, because it didn't quite fit in. I mean, there had been, you know, Cirque du Soleil had done some stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but this just didn't fit into anybody's, you know, kind of idea of what Vegas entertainment was like. So it was a big experiment, you know, yeah. all around. And uh, so we were just as curious as anybody else is <laughs> about whether it would work or exactly. not. You know? Yeah, we hadn't seen anything quite like it in those days. And you say head scratching, you know, whatever you've delivered in Las Vegas, however you've done it has been something that you're first kind of like head, you're scratching your head about originally. Yeah, your bald head in the case. Yeah. Of <laughs> Rubbing your head in this case. Uh, you spent a considerable amount of time in, in, in your life as a, a blue man and, and as a, a producer of Blue Man Group. And you decided a couple, three years ago to leave the company. T- tell me why you decided that Blue Man Group was a, a highly successful production company around the country and around the world. Why did you decide to do that? And what led you to Area 15 where you are now? You know, uh, I'd had a great time at Blue Man, we, you know, sort of cr- being a creative director. We we always gave ourselves things to do, projects to do. And we were, um, you know, it was, it was a great job in terms of being able to keep being creative. Mm-hmm. Um, I did miss performing a little bit after a while, but uh, you know, you know, I could make music, we could make videos, we could make instruments, I- installations, new shows. But after a certain number of years, you know, I, it stopped feeling like I was like an artist. It felt like I was more of a, a producer, a guy mm-hmm. in a company. And at, at a certain point, too, you know, you've got all your friends working there. People are working. You have a community. You worry about just staying open. How do we? How do we? How do we keep more people coming? And then yeah. you, and then right. all of a sudden you feel more like a marketer than an artist, you know? Exactly. And and and, and the, the pressure of that after a while, I I think one day I woke up and I realized, and I was trying to come up with other projects that we could do that didn't have the blue man in it, but that didn't quite make sense to people. They'd be like, "How is this a blue man thing if there's no blue man in it?" I mm-hmm. think that was kind of a flawed concept. 
And so I, I made the decision really just based on my gut that um, I kind of wanted to just go back to being a, a just a, a scrappy, you know, I want right. to go back to those early days, you know, Get where, back, you, where right? you don't, mm -hmm. you don't have a big company. You don't have huge resources at your disposal. It's just more like it's you and, and a couple of ideas. And so I left and I started sort of my own little wink productions, uh, just in my living room where I was just playing around with stuff, playing around with some of the things that ended up in wink world, but I had no idea where it would go or if it would go anywhere. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even put that pressure on myself. I didn't put pressure, a business pressure on myself. Right. I wanted to take all the business pressure off because as an artist, it, the early stages, of course, you know, you want something to be sustainable. You want it to be successful. If you're a, and a kind of experienced designer, you need customers to make it work. It's not like you have a painter where you can make a painting and but so I, I had a, a, a year or so where I was just able to just follow my own impulses and play, just play like I used to, like what would be fun to do and get some materials and play around, use my house as an example. And actually it was a weird, and I really had no intention of teaming up with anybody, but uh, Michael Beneville from Area 15, uh, somehow through a friend, we got connected. Mm -hmm. He came over to my house and he's like, you know, you got to see what we're doing down here in Vegas. So he invited me out and I checked it out and I, I felt a kindred spirit to what they were doing. I felt like the early days, you know, when we came out, when they were like, again, they don't, they didn't fit in. They weren't, they, they didn't want to fit in. Uh -huh. They were creating this big, at the time it was just this cement box. Right. There was nothing in it. But I, I, I had, uh, I heard Michael describe what was going to be in it. And he so, knew your background. Yeah, Michael he knew did. my background. And when you came here, I think he told me that you had, what were you carrying? You had a prop with you I, at I that had, time. I had something I made for my kids once. It's called a cloud fishing, uh, cloud fishing. apparatus. Mm -hmm. It's like a, basically a, a, you know, pocket fisherman connected to a, a helium balloon, but it goes up and collects little clouds from the sky. I would, I would sort of sneak a, like a, a cotton, you know, cluster with google eyes onto it and reel it in and and I, I and i thought you know maybe we could do some cloud fishing here in the building and he thought i was nuts <laughs> you know and but that was the phase i was in where mm -hmm. i was just basically i was trying to cloud fish in life what's your first by <laughs> the way your first uh, artistic medium what's the thing you started with well so yes because since, since i can't paint um, I, I'm a musician but i don't start with the music okay. since I, I since i can't paint i start with stuff I get a mm -hmm. thing, a, a fishing pole, and I think, you know, how can I turn it into something else? Or I get, you know, slinkies and say, how can I make these move around? So I usually start with stuff and try to change them into something else. So it's kind of a transmutation process. Right. And so that's kind of, that's my medium really is taking stuff and then combining. So then the next thing is, all right, how, what if I added music? What if I added light? What if it could move at motion motors? So I think my medium is kind of combining things together. Mm -hmm. uh, to, so nothing separately is new necessarily. A, a slinky is not a new thing, and a, you know, but a, the combination is is what what ends up being new. If and it, the volume if, of them and how you use them, there seems to be volume is really important because uh, like a, the plasma balls that you see at the science museums, you know, they're kind of like a one trick pony, and they're kind of on their the border on cheesy. I mean, I've always liked it myself, but it's mm -hmm. sort of like oh look at that thing, but five thousand of them, right. 
reaches a level of sort of sublime beauty you know and it's the same thing with ping pong balls or golf balls if you have two or three of them it's just they're just it's just a, it's, it's it's a mess in the corner right. but if you have you know fifty thousand of them and they can glow and they're in a, you know in a certain pattern or something like that then it starts to so scale really does matter when it comes to some of these things and uh when when uh, michael uh, eventually wanted to bring you on he gave you a, a very vague title or a very overarching, I guess I should say, title of the, the well, director. Well, actually, and cool. it was also Winston Fisher as well. And uh, Winston. Because mm -hmm. Winston, you know, was coming more from a real estate background. But he was equally, um, I was really impressed by how they were both like big kids. Mm -hmm. And they refused to grow up. They're like, no, we don't have to grow up. And I was like, hello, let me, let me cross my swords with you guys. We'll, mm -hmm. we'll band together and, and we'll refuse to grow up together. And so... Uh, I said to them, they said, uh, you know, can you come on? But what would your job title be? And, and, you know, Michael was the creative director, so I couldn't be the creative director. But I said, uh, well, how about if I was the director of cool or director, you know, sometimes it's called director of cool stuff. But it, that's what they wanted me to do is just add, mm -hmm. uh, you know, cool stuff, you know, in, in any way I could. And so, uh, you know, we started working on, and the first thing I did was I said, you know, you've got some good, uh, they had plans for that awesome skull, uh, you know, projection and they had right. plans for the, uh, the tree, you know, the oddwood tree. Mm -hmm. And I said, you know, given your current lighting plan, it was going to almost be lit like a mall. I said, both of those things will completely disappear and look terrible. I said, uh, you've got to make it dark in there because right. the light doesn't have magic unless it's in the dark. Anyone who's been to Burning Man knows yeah. that like, you know, I mean, the daytime has got its fun, but the nighttime when it gets dark is when all the, you know, the, it's, I don't know what a better word than magic is to, mm -hmm. to describe what it's like out there. And so, uh, so then we scrapped the whole plan of the light. They were, they're like, what's, who's this guy that you brought in? And I was like, you know, we got to put black light everywhere. That's the way to do it. We'll light the place with black light. Uh, we got LED types of black lights that have some blue light in it. So it's not completely dark, you know? And, uh, and so that's, that, that was the first thing I did. And, and that's turned out to be part of what I think makes the space different. When you come here, you just, it's not like the other places in Vegas where it's just, you know, lights everywhere. Right. Everything's the same brightness. And there's just, you know, usually it's the, you know, it's the slot machine sound that's just so annoying or, uh, you know, just sort of the cheesy pop music that's getting pumped through everything. You know? <laughs> exactly. Well, I know we get to that. Music is a big part of this. But it's funny, you know, in, in, in your history, Blue Man was just that single cobalt blue color. Blue was everything. You come into what you're doing now and it's it's a huge array. Yes. A massive array of colors well, I, and I've brightness. I've definitely taken advantage of the fact that I have the freedom now to yeah. branch out into mm -hmm. uh, the full spectrum of, of color. But if you look closely at Blue Man Group, you know, you see that we were doing a lot of this black light fluorescent yeah. stuff mm -hmm. in certain spots of the show, certainly at the end. But uh, there was a, you know, there was a, the Blue Men themselves, though the monochrome, were fascinated with bright color. The paint on the drums being, yeah, you know, the, for the best drums. example. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first things we ever created. And in a sense, I feel like Wink World is an extension of that very piece. I wanted to have color exploding off the drums, you know, upward, kind of celebrating life force in a sense, almost, uh, and also almost uh, exemplifying the, the shape of the sound waves going up. But but also really just a, a kind of exuberance that right. I think the upward thrust of color expresses. And so if I were to hope anyone came away with anything from Wink World, it would be just the exuberance 
of the color yeah. that's glowing and the, and the shapes. Yeah, and, you feel that when you leave the place that you've been energized. Yeah, that's the best energy. compliment uh -huh. I could get. Is that, yeah. uh, and I appreciate your your response. We're in Wink World now. We should let people know that Wink World and Area Fifteen. Wink World is inside Area Fifteen. It's part of your uh, responsibility here at the at the facility. Tell uh, tell us. Well, how it's a little different, actually. Well, you know what's interesting? I'll, I'll, I mean, I'll just give you a quick story there. It, I, this wasn't part of my actual job part. I, I, after a few months of being here. Uh, Winston and 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 Michael came right. over to my house and I showed him some of the crazy stuff in my my bathroom. I had created an infinity mirror in my bathroom with with bouncing motorized slinkies and a couple other things. And they said we got to have this at Area 15. And I said, well, I've already, I've been working on this for a year or so. The idea is for it to be Wink World. And then Winston said, well, why don't you just be a tenant as well as you know? And so I actually. In, in, in Wink World, is, I'm a I'm a tenant like other tenants. So that wasn't when you had it in in your home. It wasn't designed expressly to be in Area 15 at the time. Not at the time. I was still was... just developing the prototypes, and I was I was I was planning on some finding some way of creating a Wink World somewhere. However, I had no idea where it would be a good place, and mm -hmm. also I didn't really. I was just on my own, right? It was fun to just sort of tinker around, but I didn't really have the kind of understanding of how you, you build a, a, a space and all that stuff. You know, I didn't have all that massive team support that I had had before. Right. Mm -hmm. So when they, when Winston said, you know, we can give you a spot in, in, in Area 15 and, you know, and, and you could just be, you know, and, and also when he understood that Wink World doesn't need a lot of space, it's 1500 square feet, which is pretty small. I mean, if you mm -hmm. think of compared to like, you know, Meow Wolf or other activations. Um, so, you know, they really egged me on to to have a to be to to bring Wink World here as a, as kind of a side hustle. Had you considered a freestanding place anywhere or any I, other? I was thinking, of, I was thinking of New York and other things like that. But the problem I kept coming back to is context. You couldn't just be walking down the street, in my view, and just sort of bump into Wink World and go, uh, "Okay, I'm going to go." I wanted it to be in <laughs> a, a, a place where people were already prepped to be kind of exploring and looking and so that's why area 15 is so perfect for it. i really can't imagine just this being out in the world it needs to Cafe, be in copy shop clothing store right. wink world no it wouldn't yeah. work mm -hmm. it wouldn't work and here even even from a lighting perspective i mean the thing that's been amazing is that when people come up here they're like oh yeah here we are I said, oh, did you plan on coming to Wink World? Did you know about it? Goes, no, we didn't know, but we just assumed the Area 15 would have something like this. And I love that. Okay. Yeah. So they're, yeah, they're preconditioned to, to receive it's something just, like it this. It just fits in here perfectly. So I how think. long, when did the development of Wink World uh, specifically start here at Area yeah, 15? Yeah, so this, is, this has been a year and a half from okay. start to finish. It's pretty fast, actually, yeah. if you think about it. Uh-huh. And uh, just tell us what we're going to what people see when they come up here because it's just open. Yeah. So we. Yeah. Well, us. I mean, when the first thing that happens, you walk into the lobby, and so you get a, a taste of the whimsy, kind of you know the bouncing slinkies and the glow aesthetic. You know, lots of color, neon colors, and uh, some of the things that have been you know like the 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 neon cutlery that we've turned into headpieces. Mm -hmm. Sort of the playful transformation right. of things, neon golf balls, and so on. Uh, but then you walk down the hall and you see, uh, as you're waiting in line, some of the paintings by my dear friend uh, and one of the most talented painters that I know of on the planet, Alex Eliumi, mm -hmm. uh, who is a very young but very gifted uh, sort of a psychedelic painter. He only paints in blacklight colors for viewing in blacklight. And on top of that, he paints them uh, with a technique that uh, is meant to be viewed with 3D glasses. And these are all hand painted. 
hand painted. Uh, unbelievable, folks! If you see, when you come into this place to know that a, a person did this with a paintbrush. Yeah, it's or not paint a, it's not a computer. You know, the, it's the, unbelievable. The level of detail when it gets down to the small details, he has to use a paintbrush with a single hair on a it. A single hair. And you have to be kind of special and obsessive to be able to stick with a painting that long and get it done. I mean, you know, he's, he's kind of like possessed, you know, and, uh, I just wonder what it would be like to make a mistake with a single I know, I don't, how do you, I, I would not, how does one repair I would, that? It's not for the faint of heart. I could never do it myself. Uh, but so actually I, I, I was, um, I got the idea to use him in the, in the, to almost give him his own gallery, uh, sort of halfway into the whole process of Wink World, because I have been, um, using him for a couple of things in Wink World. Mm -hmm. First of all, I commissioned him to do the, the main logo uh, on the outside, right. which is a, a, a kind of an open hand and a, and a hand giving the finger and then an eye that's open and an eye that's closed, kind of winking, but really for me symbolizing one eye looking out at the world and mm -hmm. one eye looking within right. to the world mm -hmm. of the imagination, dreams and so on. And then also one hand at in reverence and one hand in irreverence, not to be disrespectful, but Every artist to find their voice, there's a point where they've learned, they've learned, they've learned from the masters, they've learned from the people that they admire, but then they have to do it their way. Individuality comes and, out, right? And you mm -hmm. have to take that step. And the people that don't and are almost too reverential don't find their voice. Their, their, their truest voice doesn't come out. So there's a, I, I say this when I sort of, if I'm talking to a young artist, it's like, like you know, study the, the people that you love, you know, but then what's the way you're going to do it and have the courage to, you know, give everything else the finger. It's, it's kind of a, a mm -hmm. playful, you know, way to, to, to kind of yeah. express it. It's, it's, and I've always been impressed that your name is Wink itself. Just <laughs> the whole Wink, you know, we're, get it, get the joke kind of uh, attitude. Well, you know, it's a funny thing. It's, it's people funny ask me, that you it, have It's that my name. real name, but maybe it's sort of a bit of self-fulfilling prophecy <laughs> because a, I like the playfulness of it. It means like, you know, a secret. Well. I'm just mm -hmm. kidding. I'm being playful. Check this out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But also it means you, one eye is looking out and one eye is closed. And so uh, I, I've been trying to add that third, that final layer to the, mm -hmm. the meaning of it. And so, uh, so Alex had painted the outside and then also... Uh, I've been a fan of his work, actually a collector of his work, supporter of him as an artist, kind of a little bit of a mentor, I would say. And mm -hmm. uh, I said to him, you, you seem fascinated with portals and going to, uh, I, he would describe it as portals to, you know, other places in your imagination, portals to higher consciousness. And he's a very spiritual guy. And uh, I said, your paintings often take us to the threshold of a portal. Do you think we could, if we work together, we could actually take people through a portal? And he goes, what do you mean? I said, well, I'm going to give you a piece of kinetic uh, art that uh, uh, it's laser cut by these people I know out in the Midwest. Uh, what if you paint it? I bet if you painted this thing, we could actually take people inside the portal. And he didn't know what I was talking about. So I got him a couple of these things and they're now in the show. People know what I mean. There's these kinetic spinners that spin in two yes. different directions. Mm -hmm. really and, the, impressive. and he took to it right away. And the way he painted them really does. I mean, sometimes it's just beautiful and hypnotic, but it does sort of feel like you know, like a portal that you're sort of traveling through. It only takes a little bit of imagination to make that jump. Mm -hmm. So we did that whole, uh, the sixth and final room of the, I'm sorry, I didn't explain the whole thing. There's mm -hmm. six rooms that yeah. you go through in the exhibit. But so he is the kind of culmination with all these spinners. But after I was done with that, I was like, you know, his work has got so much uh, to do with vision, eyeballs, uh, are everywhere in his paintings. Sometimes his paintings have thousands of eyeballs secretly hidden in them. And then, of course, infinity plays a big role in a lot of these things. 
So I said, you know, let's make a gallery of his work as people wait online. So they're not just sitting there bored, you know, uh, mm -hmm. what am I doing here? So we created this black light psychedelic gallery of his work. And, and by the way, he's got a huge following. He's got 200,000 followers on, on Instagram. Uh, and wow. people have come here uh, just like, oh, I'm here to see the paintings. I don't care about your, your, your stupid gallery. Right? <laughs> I'm here to see Alex's stuff. So, uh, and <laughs> but, then, you've, but you have entered the, the formal entry of the, of the facility when you see his art. Yes. So, so that's the beginning. you could conceivably do and that I, if and you I, want. And I knew, yeah, that's right, exactly, exactly right. If someone really didn't want, but usually they don't, they, they, usually they, they enjoy both, I think, because they're, they're kind of compatible. But so that's the big hallway. That's sort of a gallery. And then you go into the first room. And uh, again, first of six. And what, what I did here, I wanted to do the opposite, almost uh, dynamic shape of Blue Man Group. Mm -hmm. Blue Man Group, we start small and build, go here, there, and then we have this giant finish, if you remember, you know, yep. with the paper rolls right. and everything mm -hmm. jumping up and down. Yes. I kind of reversed Balls that. Everywhere. I reversed mm -hmm. that kind of template. I wanted the first room to be almost the biggest and then have a soft landing. And the reason was because of the kind of the content and the message and the journey. And it's, all, it's, a, it's a 15, you know, 15 to 18 minute journey here. So it just felt like it didn't need to go, you know, from, from small to big. I, and the reason I wanted to start, I would say big was the idea of thinking about infinity. For me, it almost makes my brain hurt because I can't, mm -hmm. I can't grasp it. It's like, what do you mean goes on for, I just, Everything in our world is pretty finite. Even, I mean, even the infinite idea of going around the globe over and over again, it's just our brains can get up to the edge of comp comprehending infinity, but there's always this spot where we don't quite get the full of, you know, we just can't, you know, right. it may be that be because our brains are finite themselves, we just can't, it's uh -huh. the one thing, you know? And so uh, <laughs> I wanted to create a room that created kind of the cognitive dissonance that happens when you really try to think about infinity. You just try. All right, I'm going to really try to think about. It. So we have this sort of dubstep song that kind of drops and kind of catches people off guard. Um, that is meant to almost make people a little uncomfortable for the sake of stopping the the, the futile effort of solving the puzzle with your rational mind. Mm -hmm. Because I do think that I guess this may be the maybe the point of of Wink World in a sense is that letting go of the rational intellectual thinking and letting some of the other parts of your brain come up and help is kind of the trick here right. and sometimes in life. So, <laughs> so it would be maybe listening to your instincts and your, your, your playful side, you know, and, and your, and sort of more being more in the moment without rational thought and just sort of letting your perception kind of get you there. And so that's kind of the exercise. It's sort of like disarm the, the, the rational part. Say, look, you, you let go of that. And then we go into the, the second room, which is where you get a lot of the, uh, the slinkies and stuff. And we say, hey, what about the playful side? That when you're mm -hmm. a kid, you don't overthink stuff. You just, you, you play. When you're playing, <laughs> by definition, you're not being too rational it's intellectual. It's easy, the most inventive application of a bad toy that I've ever seen. <laughs> I, I, know, I know Katz always I've says, you always, you. you always say you really don't, you, 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 Katz had a traumatic experience as a child with I had slinkies. multiple slinkies. Because you would buy them and, and they would promise to go down the stairs. The commercials were unbelievable, right? but you get a slink. Two things that would happen immediately with a slinky. One is you realize that they didn't work the way they did on the commercial with the going down the steps. It was right. a very big disappointment. And then the metal versions tended to get tangled they up. They would always get tangled. Yeah, and, be and tangled you could, in five, five yeah, minutes. I mean, just by just trying to manipulate him. 
bad toy. But here they are and they work here. So well, I guess they've the technology maintained, they, they've lasted the test of time, which is kind of interesting, right? It's just a long <laughs> really spring. But what, what I found is that the, uh, the fluorescent ones uh, add an element uh, and uh, especially the translucent fluorescent ones so I can hit them with light and then the, the whole slinky kind of lights up. Right. And uh, not so much the one in each hand, you know, back and forth, you know, traveling of the wave. That's sort of the gimmick of the slinky, but I like to bounce them. Mm-hmm. So when I hang them from the ceiling and I connect them to a, a servo motor that, go, that has a string that comes down about 10 yeah. inches and just gives it a little tug. Now that these bouncing tendrils, and if you have a hundred of them or 200 or, or a thousand, now instead of it being a slinky, you're in a sort of slinky landscape. And it's really more about the motion mm-hmm. and the, you know, the, the, and again, if you put those in an infinity room yeah. and they're in a pattern and you see them go on forever, now it's, it's like a different thing altogether. It's like as long field, man. It's like incredible how, how deep and how powerful that is when you see them all together like that. I learned the hard way with my, my, my experiments in New York with my bathroom is that it, it's actually better when they're in an orderly pattern of rows because then mm-hmm. you can really see down the rows and, and you get that effect of yeah. them going on. If yeah. you have too many of them and it's too chaotic, you, they block themselves. And in fact, that's one of the tricks with infinity mirror rooms in general is that you put you need to put things in there, but you can't put so much that it blocks your view to infinity. Yeah, right. And or it doesn't and look like infinity. Ironically, blocked, or yeah. I'm not sure if that's the right use of the word ironic, but the the biggest problem with most infinity rooms is when you go in, you block the best view. There's another, mm-hmm. you see across the way, there's one of you, there's you in the way. And then behind you, there's another you and another yeah. you. And, and you try to look down. around you, but guess what? The you in the mirror keeps moving. It's super annoying. Wherever you go, there you, you are. You try to go fast. Wherever you go, there you are. In this case, it's, a, it's, a, it's bad. It Wherever you look, there you are. And so uh, it's an interesting thing because you go to it like for, you know, of course, Yayoi Kusama is the master Perhaps I would say the inventor of the modern day infinity mirror room. And I think uh, she definitely deserves that title. But even her spiritual, uh, you know, spiritually moving rooms, you go in. The problem is you, you don't just see her work. You see yourself. Yeah. And that's not a problem you have when you go to see a Picasso or one of the mm-hmm. other master. You don't see your, you, you can see their work. You go to see Yayo's work and you see yourself, you know, blocking some of her work. And I always thought that was kind of interesting and in a way maybe even a metaphor for some of the problems of sort of personal growth and and consciousness like we our egos get in the way Mm -hmm. you know we're so precious uh and we get so used to sort of fighting for ourselves as our individuality and the profundity that's uh available in an infinity room is that it, it you know, usually a, a mirror is a narcissistic tool. You know, you look at yourself in your bathroom mirror and you get yourself prepped up for the day mm-hmm. or you think of how, you know, wonderful or not sure. wonderful you look. But in an infinity mirror room, the script gets flipped because there's so many of them that suddenly you are diminished. You turn into a pattern in a giant tapestry and you can't see the singularity of yourself anymore. You see yourself as part of a much larger pattern. It's unmistakable. You don't have to be on any, you know, psychedelic drug to get that very psychedelic message of, Mm -hmm. ah, I'm part of something bigger than just my sacred, Mm -hmm. you know, my ego self. You do get that when you're in there. Yeah, you get the the magnitude of the the conceptual magnitude of what infinity, infinity means and how you fit into it 
physically. And I feel that that's true of all infinity rooms uh, that I've been to. Um, and I've, I've loved that about all the different artists that experiment in the medium. Although it's not that many because it's it's kind of a hard medium to play with. It's hard to get the the angles perfect. And of course, some people try to put mirrors on the floor and that never works because you walk on it and it uh, is, is, you know, is difficult. Mirrors on the ceiling are dangerous because they can break and crack and fall mm -hmm. on the guests. But I just, I, I decided that if I was going to play in this medium, I wanted to make sure I gave people that same feeling that I get from other infinity mirrors, but I wanted to enhance it even further. So I, I, I played around with a way to diminish the amount of us that is in the rooms. Mm -hmm. So I made it so that there's a viewing kind of, uh, there's a, a mirror that comes up about, you know, three quarters of your body. So it blocks the, your, from your chest down, mm -hmm. but you know, cause it, what's the point of seeing your, you know, you, you don't, you know, you, you're, you're, you can lean in and you're in the room, but you know, you, you have a mirror kind of in front of your lower body. And then the part directly ap across from you where you would normally just see yourself, you know, right in the way. And you'd also see all the other guests in the room. Uh, I decided to put two-way mirror there and then another chamber beyond that two-way mirror <laughs> so that you would see into that instead of uh, seeing your own reflection. And how many people can be in each room? Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's well, you, you could have about 10 at the most. Uh, during COVID times, we're really, we're just having one group at a time go in mm -hmm. basically. Um, so it can be, you know, anywhere from two to six, usually at the, at, at the most usually, but, uh, it's a pretty small, intimate situation. And, um, I think that's also kind of what's fun about it too, is that instead of having just a giant, you know, space with a lot of people, you can kind of go. So you're in each room for about three minutes at a time. It's right. two minutes and 20 seconds and then moving time. Uh, and so, yeah, after the slinky room, we go into a room that has, uh, it's a little less whimsical, but, and a little more poetic, I would say, is the word I would use, but with the plasma balls that look a little bit, to me, they were evoked like flowers and mm -hmm. the lightning and sort of the, 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 the beauty of nature, even though they're not really nature, but I mean, plasma is, is, is kind of part of nature, but I wanted to evoke, uh, you know, when you're looking at a long garden or, or just right. feel the flowers mm -hmm. or something like that. But again, the music is really important because um, this is where uh, I worked with Chris Dias, uh, who did all of our, uh, I, I collaborated with him and uh, of course, Matt and Phil, but mm -hmm. for all of our Blue Man music. And that song's got the most Blue Man vibe to it. Yeah, It's got a, a drumulum from the Blue Man world, which is a drum uh, recorded through a long tube. It's not a, it's not, we're not playing the tube, but it tunes the drum to a certain note. So you have dum da 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 dum da 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 dum da 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 dum da 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 dum Yeah, that's it, that drop. So it has that Blue Man kind of, yeah. So it's definitely a nod to Blue Man. I definitely wanted to have one room that sounded, you know, a nod to where I came from. Yeah, it works, yeah. So, and then, you know, each one of the plasma balls is connected to a DMX cable. So we just try to sync them up to the music as if they're playing the song. And that's a fun thing, again, a, a little bit uh, in the Blue Man wheelhouse, because we always try to make the space at Blue Man kind of feel magical, especially at the end. So it felt like almost it was playing the music. The space sort mm -hmm. of was a, an artist or had, had sort of leaped into being alive. And so that's, that was, that's what we're playing there in, in room three. 
Are the guys who, as we referred back to Blue Man in that in that room, are they going to your co-founders going to come out and check this out? Have you talked to Phil and Matt about this? Of course. Place? I mean, you know, it, the pandemic is uh, they would have already been here if yeah. not for the pandemic. I'm so sure, that's yeah. made it a. Uh, I want to be here when they see yeah, it. I, I, will, I will. I will. I will. I will <laughs> I invite be at that you. reunion. I will. Invite, yeah, and you know. I, I want them to feel, uh, you know, proud of it and feel like it's, you know, you know, it, it's it's it keeps uh, it's worthy of the legacy that we did mm. together. With, well, similar to that to that production and and that concept, music is a big part of what you're doing here too. I mean, it's not just um, random ambient music. There's a specific point to all of the the music in each of these. Uh, yeah, actually, rooms. I it's kind of a pet peeve of mine. I don't love it when I go to something. Let's say it's a video room that's been video mapped or something, or, or just sort of a, you know, a, a, an acrobat dancer. And you sort of feel like the music was sort of thrown on after the fact. And it's just generic, mm -hmm. atmospheric music. Um, the music's very important. And, and to me, that's really where the emotional content is going to come from nine times out of 10. And uh, so the music isn't something we think about after the fact. In fact, we write the music as soon as possible and record it as soon as possible so we can kind of be developing uh, the music and the work at the same. So in every case, we were changing the music and the, the visual mm -hmm. simultaneously so that they really feel fused together. There's a, there's a I don't know, it's a weird uh, point where beyond which something leaps into feeling alive. And if it's not synced up and if it's not sort of considered, if, if the sight, the light and motion and sound aren't, aren't linked so fully together, they, they don't make that leap into sort of the magical right. realm. Um, is there an idea or a possibility of uh, distributing and, and setting aside the music as its own entity and making a, an EP release or, you know, a, a release unto itself, like a sound bed, like Blue Man had done that? Yep. You know, it's funny. I, I just hadn't even gotten as far as thinking about all that up, mm -hmm. to, up to now. But then so many of the guests are demanding the music that <clears throat> absolutely we're going to have to figure out a way we're going to have to figure it out quickly. you want to find it yeah you want to go back people are shazamming it. it and they're not coming up with it and, <laughs> and they're coming out a little angry it's like why are you mad because i want the music i'm like oh gosh okay well shazam proof <laughs> yeah so so yeah no so listen uh you know uh we've got um the woman who sings the last song lucy weld um Already mm -hmm. been talking to her about sort of finishing, taking that song and 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 getting some more. It's of her really tracks. great. Yeah. Yeah. So she's really talented, and yeah, we're talking to a a, a distributor, kind of an indie pop uh, place in in yeah. in uh, L.A. about possibly distributing the the music because uh, that's been. I mean, I, I knew the music would be important to the experience, but I didn't necessarily anticipate that people would want to, you know, take it off themselves. Yeah. And, and actually, frankly, in this day and age, I'm not even, I, I, I lost the plot. Like, I don't even know how music works anymore. Well, like, yeah, that's what I'm, you, I'm thinking the same thing. I, I don't yeah, think of it as something is you... Is there an album or is yeah, it... <laughs> yeah, we'll just, I mean, I don't think of it as something you actually sell anymore, mm -hmm. you know? So we'll, we'll figure out how this works. Of just because you can't, you know, in the old days, we'd have a CD of the Blue Man album in, yeah. in, the, in the lobby. But well, like now you just... You can pick it up on when you're doing the video you pick it up the you know obviously on the audio and that's yeah. as interesting as the as the video content in here is the music you know oh you told me on opening night that somebody got naked in here by the way that's right like, don't we, do that folks well i'm not <laughs> saying don't do it necessarily it's as long as you you know as long as you walk out with your clothes on <laughs> we have a kind of what happens in room one through six what stays the in room story one there six. why did that happen 
Well, we yeah, we caught us off guard a little bit. It was New Year's Eve. It was around eleven o'clock, and uh, one of the guys was. We have you know we have cameras on the rooms just to keep track of everything, make sure everything's okay. And one guy just happened to be glancing over, and he just saw someone uh, as they were taking their clothes completely off, and he he didn't know what was going on because it's only three minutes in there. Yeah. And then we realized, <laughs> of course, and then we of course you know we realized it was it was for an Instagram. Right uh, photo and and they're kind of in private in there and so we had a big debate after he's like I I should I have kicked her out I'm like look I was like you don't get out much do you I mean you, <laughs> someone getting naked in one of the rooms that's what we call Thursday here in Las Vegas right I mean I mean or we don't remind people I mean, what happens on Thursdays <laughs> in Thursday. <Big> World. <laughs> Thursday is uh, naked time in room number two in uh, Wink World. Uh, you just had just mentioned you haven't thought too far down the horizon after, you know, just what you've got here. But I, I'm in here now. I've been here multiple times over the past few days. I'm thinking that this could be outside and be, you know, franchised out or a chain of wink worlds around. You well, know. it's possible. I just want to make sure. Can you do that? Well, you know, especially uh, like I was saying earlier, I, I, I don't want to just try to hook up with some corporate mindset and just scale it all mm -hmm. over. I want to be very thoughtful about uh where these things go i like i said mm -hmm. i i right now it's hard for me to imagine them being anywhere but an, an area 15. uh but having said that there, there of course there could be other places other neighborhoods where this could could work but i just want to be very thoughtful about where they go instead of trying to just throw them all over the place because mm -hmm. like i said people here they're already in uh just a, a a really exploratory mindset when they get to area 15. so it feels good, and I want to keep it fun too. So um, uh, we'll we'll see what happens. But I, I I I mean, it's exciting to think that we could get it out to other people. Not everyone in the world is going to be able to come to Las Vegas. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So I would like to get this experience out to there. And I really do uh, really appreciate. I've always appreciated this at Bloomin as well. Seeing young people, kind of seeing the wheels turn. Because uh -huh. I remember when I was young, there was a few things that I saw as a kid that kind of put me on this path. You know, a couple of things here and there. I didn't know till later, but I never forgot them. Um, I, I grew up in Manhattan, mm -hmm. up by Columbia, and uh, my parents had crazy friends that were artists and stuff. So I'd find myself down at, you know, Judson Memorial Church in the village here and the other places around town. And at an early age, I saw some interesting projections, some black lights, and, and I remember, I remember seeing Alvin Ailey dance piece when I was a wow. young kid. There's a couple mm -hmm. of things that were like, okay, there was something just special just happened. You right. know? And some people have experienced that, you know, in theater. I've heard people say when they went to Hamilton, you know, you know there, there's a lot of things that can do it. And anybody who's in uh, either the arts like, as a musician or, you know, an experiential thing or theater, they all had some experience, you know, a, right. a, a moment, you know, that, that epiphany when they were like, okay, this is what, you know, they got moved to such a degree that, some, they, that they thought, you know, this is maybe what I would want to do when I get Some form of the arts has triggered that. Absolutely. In, imagination. Because I look around here, you know, Chris, I'm looking at all this stuff. You've got the golf balls, things that are in common, like the slinkies. And I just wonder how 
when you see something like that, it's distilled in your mind. Do you walk around today and you see something commonplace and do you automatically think about how that can be used you know, in an artistic I, I guess sense? I'm just talking I, I about I thought everyone was like that, but I mm-hmm. guess I'm told by my friends and my kids and stuff that like, uh, I, I'm, I'm a little unique in that way. And that like, for me, I go into a hardware store exactly. and I start hitting everything to see how it sounds, <laughs> you, you know? And uh, that's how we came up with the PVC pipe instrument. You know, uh-huh. it's like if you, if you hit it with a piece of rubber it, it sounds really good right off the bat like we didn't have to do anything so a lot of stuff uh, for me my art form is finding mm-hmm. i mean i guess i create in a way i synthesize but a lot of it's finding and and the way i find is through play yeah we need to go to home depot sometime and just walk the aisles and see what we come up with yeah, exactly <laughs> you know exactly. that'd be fun I, sometimes they get kicked out of those places they're like <laughs> what are you doing i'm like i'm dancing on your piece of wood it's had a really good bass note in it <laughs> this could be something someday sir with the name tag <laughs> Uh, and, uh, that, that happened the other day too. Where, where, where was it? Was it with with you or I, I was? Um, I was doing a, 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 a I was doing a, a, a not a, a, a video piece, and someone said clap to the mic, and I th- I thought they wanted a little, so I did a whole stomp routine. And they're like, I just wanted a single clap. Oh, the, it wasn't with me, but they wanted you to do that. They wanted to do this. And I was like, <laughs> I mean, they, they said clap. That's great. The but... mic. So I was like, all right, you said clap. I'm going to clap, you know? And I was like, you know, hitting the walls. And, and it's like, uh, I'm going to choose my words more carefully. <laughs> yeah, next exactly. time. That's like the old routine. I forget where I saw it first where somebody says, you can know you're creative. Come up and shake my hand. Come up and shake my hand. And every, you know, every person go up and shake your hand normally. Then the person who's creative will go up and. Yeah, you make a shake. Yeah, there you exactly. go. You know that that's a very early one, but you know you kind of know a person. Who's well, this is something that way. you know, uh, Sir Ken Robinson, who was in, into education and kind of helped inspire so many people, uh, including Blue School and stuff like that, talked about divergent thinking and and how kids shouldn't just be taught what things are for, but for example, divergent thinking test would be here's a paperclip. How many things can you think of that you can mm-hmm. do with it? And so uh, kids can think of all kinds of things. So they're not limited. They turn it into a flower and mm-hmm. they, they make it into a space. Yes, a put space it onto suit. an eraser and all, make a okay. toy out of it. And mm-hmm. as you, apparently, and what's, what's fascinating about that is as you get older and you get more socialized and educated, everyone's divergent thinking score goes way down. And uh, they think, you know, all three things. Well, a paperclip and maybe you could possibly bend it into something mm-hmm. else and sort of like kind of make a clamp out of it or something. And then there's, and that's about it, you know? And so his point was that kids start off as geniuses and education turns them into just mediocre thinkers. <laughs> and we have a lot of that happening in Las Vegas <laughs> over the years too, of a lot of that divergent thinking and um, yeah, derivative thinking too, too much of it around here. But I think, well, you know, is- that's, that's, that's a really good point. I mean, you, here, here's Las Vegas. You've got people coming here, wanting to be open-minded. Mm-hmm. Uh, give me an experience. And they go to the strip and they get fake Paris and fake New York and fake Italy. Like, really? That's what we're going to offer them here in, in the land of anything can happen? Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I'm embarrassed by that stuff. I'm embarrassed by New York, New York. I mean, I mean, we all, we all are here in Vegas that would live here. It's like, who who was behind that? What kind of corporate copycat thing thought what. that people weren't wanted to just uh, have a simulacra of something else? It's like 
Vegas doesn't need that. Those places should be raised to the ground because, I mean, we're way past that now. No one would do New York, New York now. Exactly. Oh, yeah, you're I mean, right I mean, about we're that. way and past that, but, but they, yet they're the still time. there. Mm-hmm. Like, and so they really don't fit the brand anymore, don't you think? It's like... Oh, I, I'm convinced of it, man. You know, when they redid your original place, Monte Carlo, yeah. you know, uh, or the second, what was that, or the third? <laughs> Blue Man Group Room. Uh, the Monte Carlo, when it went over to Park MGM, I was talking to the executives over there, and they renamed it Park MGM, you know, a classic kind of Las Vegas resort. It uh, wasn't themed for anything. Monte Carlo yeah, idea. Need to be. And I remember Jim Muran saying at the time, he says, the days of Las Vegas theming things are over. Yeah. And, and he goes, go walk across MGM Grand. You see Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz over there these days? No. But I think the problem is that it takes so much to retheme, so much uh, to revenue the, to retheme a New York, New York. Yeah, exactly. So they Can can't go and do it. But I mean, yeah, you're kind of stuck with the Eiffel Tower. At well, you know, Paris, Winston you know? Fisher has been very vocal and clear about Area 15 because at, 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 he doesn't want it to be a themed experience. Like, for example, Early on, th- there was a, a natural kind of connection to the alien thing, Absolutely. you know. Mm-hmm. But we've actually, if you notice, we kind of really played that down because uh, Winston very wisely, I think, and uh, of course I was right there, behind, you know, voting uh, in, in the in, in his favor on this. Uh, let's not have this be like an alien themed place. The idea of Air- Area Fifteen, we wanted a little sense of like a kind of a, a bunker somewhere, a secret. You know, you got to come in, and there's secrets, but the secrets are, it, it, you know, we didn't, we didn't want to ha- have you come in and see a bunch of aliens and like, you know, yeah. it's not Area 51. So we, I've mm-hmm. got, a, I've got a couple of aliens here and there, just kind of ironically and sort of in a kitsch sort of way. Right. But, but if you come in, really what you see is just wonder and delight. You see wild muse downstairs and it's more of a kind of a, a, a rave wear place or, you know, kind yeah. of almost a Burning Man vibe there. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And that's really I mean, because who cares about aliens, right? I mean, who gives? It's only seasonal, (laughs) (laughs) if that anymore. But the more this evolves out here, I think to to your point, it we will lose that that natural connection. You see more of what you do, fiasco museum fiasco next door, all of the the portal downstairs, and it has nothing to do with that theme. And And I think the more that that is is uh, uh, promoted. And uh, and and uh, lives here. The, the less likely we think aliens. And I also aliens. think uh, Area 15 is on the cutting edge of another trend. It's more global, which is, I don't think you know, theater sit down cabaret shows is the only way people are going to want to experience. Totally, mm-hmm. I think people are really starting to. I you know, it was sort of a an early adopter, you know, underground thing. Some some of the immersive things around the world, but I think people now like the idea of the agency that comes with exploring things where, you yeah. know, like the sleep no more in New York when it first opened was this kind of underground thing. And it was maybe a little like mm-hmm. blooming room that people were like, what is this right. 12 years later, you know, of it being sold out every night. You're like, wow, it, it really connected with people because they got to roam around. They got to almost be a co-author of their experience. And, uh, you know, that, that's an idea that's spreading around the world pretty fast. Yeah. And so it's important that Vegas be on, uh, have, have, a, have a, you know, a hand and, and be, so have some, you know, have some offerings that, that are part of that trend. Because I think in entertainment, that's really, you know, that's when, when, you, when I talk to my friends and people in the business, that, that's the subject that everyone's talking about. Yeah. Sort of the immersive. It's how to make that. Yeah, how to but make But also how to do it right. Because mm-hmm. a lot of them don't do it right. I mean, I, I, there's a bunch of places that, I mean, I'm not a fan of a place that's like just, oh, here, Instagram, come Instagram. Like, uh, you know, like, I mean, 
I, I don't know, museum of ice cream. Like, I, I, I mean, I haven't even gone inside, but I was like, I don't need to go stand next to a big ice cream cone <laughs> and take a picture. I, that's not enough for me. You know what I mean? Right. I don't think that's a winning example of immersive theater. And it's also just kind of vapid. It's just like, you know, cherries and, and, and ice cream and, and, and dairy's kind of uh, ruining the planet anyway. So I've got, <laughs> I, I don't mean to be a negative. Not I'm to usually mention positive. cherries. <laughs> I'm just, no, but I just use an example of like, I think, I think we can do better than that. You know, I think that's, that's not enough, you know? And so Area 15 is actually interesting because it's a district. It isn't, you know, it, 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 you know, it houses other things and it curates other things like Wink World, Meow Wolf, obviously mm -hmm. coming. Uh, but the whole district is like an immersive piece of immersive, you know, performance yeah. art in mm -hmm. a sense. And yes. that's what's really uh, unique about this is that, you know, you've got this whole ecosystem here really is what it is, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it is. It is. The district is exactly the way I look at it. It's a, it's a different place. All right, Chris Wink. Well, um, again, thank you for uh, hosting us. Oh. Thank you for having me here. I've had a great time here and following you, not just with this and, and Wink World and Area 15, but all along the whole path. I know. It's been great. Well, I've been following yeah. you, too, because I feel like you've been a great progenitor I don't really use that word very often. I got to get a progenitor. A progenitor. Yeah, I gotta, I, I get, someone who's got to look it up. I'm not sure I use the Progenitor. Right. I just but met her. You're the progenitor <laughs> of, of Vegas getting better and better and being more interesting. Like I noticed over the years that the people you support, you're always, you, you, you want, you, you don't just love Vegas. You love the Vegas that Vegas can be. Well, you know, and you're it's, a force of pushing it into the well, future. Thank you for all that. I mean, and it's, it's easy for me to support, but I will tell you about, about you in the Blue Man Group. The first time I was ever blurbed in marketing ever in my career was about blue man group oh yeah we as a uh, blue man group love it john katzlamitas las vegas son yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's a, right we and i don't and i had to go back and look at the column i wrote because i didn't remember writing that particular sentence oh we just made it up <laughs> <laughs> they found the three words in there and put them together and i'm like all right whatever you guys want to do but it's 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 been a great thing to support you know as i said yeah. I, I support only the things that i think i believe in yeah and that i think are great and uh yeah i just i thank you for everything you brought to the city uh, you know from the very beginning and, and continue to, to push uh, and enforce great art and i think that's important to our city and i think what you do is, it, it is, is vital. important and uh so i'll be here for every uh every step you know all right me. man you can't get it's rid awesome. of me wink i know man i don't want to i don't want to <laughs> all right thanks all for right your time, take sir. care man thanks once more to chris wink for spending time with me on podcasts be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. What is happening in the column, you might be asking yourselves. Well, we have a great walk down memory lane with Mayor Carolyn Goodman and Oscar Goodman. They tell me all about their first meeting with Tommy Lasorda. The Dodgers legend died Thursday at the age of 93. We visited X Burlesque Private Edition at the Flamingo. This is indeed private. The Topless Review is performing an intimate show to 30 fans, socially distant, at their self-named theater. Austin Chum Lee Russell of Pawn Stars has a new video game out, which looks a lot like a vintage video game. Barry Manilow has finally moved his scheduled dates at Westgate from February and March. He's back in June at International Theater. Human Nature's final show in the group's native Australia became tied up in controversy because of COVID. Read how that all played out down in Sydney. And Penn and Teller celebrated their 20th anniversary at the Rio on the day before Donald Trump supporters stormed the U.S. Capitol. 
That brought back memories for Penn Jillette, who worked with Trump on two editions of Celebrity Apprentice before Trump announced his presidential candidacy. Penn and Teller were among Trump's first Twitter targets. All that and more in Cats. Closes out another episode of Podcasts. Thank you, Frankie Moreno, for our theme song, The Biggest Cat in Town. Keep up with me or try to on the Review Journal website or at Johnny Cats on Twitter, at Johnny Cats One on Instagram, and tune in next Monday to the next installment of Podcasts. <laughs>